buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, baby, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is The Michael Dukes Show. Hello, my friends. Hello. How are you doing? How are things going this morning? It's hump day, middle of the week, downhill slide. Only 19, 20 days away from tax day. Just wanted to throw that out there in case you were 20 days to get your taxes all finished and put together and put to bed. <clears throat> my favorite day of the year. Absolutely my favorite day of the year. Uh, welcome to the program and thank you for being part of it today. We are... Um, we're locked and loaded for today. Today is Wednesday, which means that uh, we get a chance to talk with uh, our good friend uh, and uh, my senator, State Senator Mike Schauer, who comes in and joins us and uh, is here to talk with us about all the things that are going on down in Juneau. And there are plenty of things going on down in Juneau these days. So we'll be talking with uh, we'll be talking with him about that stuff. Here this morning, and we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens uh, here in hour two as we embark on what we like to call the shower hour of power, and uh, we'll be talking with him here uh, a little bit later, just about one hour from now. We'll be picking it up with State Senator Mike Shower, and that leaves hour one. Uh, open for a little bit of uh, open line, open form. Uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, open up the phone lines. First things first, though. Let me just say that if you haven't decided to, um, if you haven't decided to support the show, uh, might I suggest that you do? There's a couple different ways you can do it, uh, but the easiest way is to just become a member of what we call the Common Sense Core. And that's kind of like the cool – it's kind of like a fan club. It's kind of like the cool kids club. And uh, all you have to do is go over to my website at michaeldukeshow.com and click on the Join the Core banner. And you'll see uh, – you'll find the links to Patreon, which basically for the cost of a cup of coffee a, uh, a day, you can uh, – excuse me, a month, not a day. Oof, man. You wouldn't – I wouldn't ask you to give up coffee for all, for the whole month. That would be horrible. But for the cost of a cup of coffee a day, you can help support the show, and it, it you know, it helps do that. We did a whole, did a whole uh, studio remodel and revamp in December with new equipment and new computers and new stuff, and that was all thanks to the folks uh, who are members of the core. They helped uh, 
support and fund all the technology upgrades and stuff that we've got going on. So anyway, um, and it's a it's a good thing to do. So go check it out. Common Sense Core, MichaelDukeShow.com. Go there and do it um, if you're so inclined. If not, it's that's why it's baby radio is free. That's the beautiful part, isn't it? Didn't you know that? Radio is free. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we're going to go ahead and open up the phone lines this morning and, uh, we're going to, uh, crack those things open and we'll talk about, we'll do a little open phone, just whatever you want to talk about this morning. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Uh, and of course the, uh, program today and the phone lines and pretty much everything else around here is sponsored by our friends over there at Satellite West. From uh, Unalakleet to Uktavik, from Eagle to Eek, from Tin City to Talkeetna, Satellite West will keep you covered no matter where you are in the state of Alaska with uh, phones, connectivity, text messaging, emails, even just surfing the internet. Satellite West has got a, uh, Satellite West has got all the technology to make that happen for you. Go to SatelliteWest.com. Find a dealer near you, and uh, it uh, we'll 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 jump in on. It. It's going to be fun stuff. Satellitewest.com, uh, proud sponsors of the Michael Dukes show. Okay, nine zero seven four three three thirty one fifty. I got some other stories as well. Um, yes, Mike, you can call in if you want. That's fine. Uh, it is open line, open form today. We've got some stories, uh, and in fact, I've even got. Oh, I've even got some good news. Some good news. Because don't we just need that sometime? Don't we just don't we just need some good news sometime? Uh I like it. Uh I and and I'm I'm happy happy to discuss it with you this morning. So feel free to uh just hang out with me and uh, we'll we'll figure we'll figure something out. How about that? We'll we'll figure something here. Okay, <clears throat> um, where do I want to start? Where do I want to start? Do I want to start with some good news or should I take on the politics first? I guess we'll take on some of the politics first um, and see what uh, and see what you guys what you guys think about this so far. So there is a uh, this is a story that's been going on in Fairbanks now. For those of you living on the peninsula, you're next. Uh, but this is a story that's been happening in Fairbanks now for, gosh, I want to say 15 years. 15 years. Uh, I, I was dealing with it for seven, eight, nine, ten years before I left, and now I've been gone for, what, seven years? So it's been going on for over 15 years. Uh, there has been, uh, you know, an air quality issue in Fairbanks. Um, and the EPA has continually kind of moved the goal line on this stuff. And now the people of Fairbanks and the Chamber of Commerce and many others are throwing their hands up, you know, with the whole moving target thing. Uh, there's a resolution pending in the legislature right now that urges both the EPA and the Alaska DEC Department of Environmental Conservation to do more to address wintertime air pollution in Fairbanks. House Joint Resolution, according to the Alaska Beacon, calls on the federal agency to improve the wood stove certification program 
that has been deemed ineffective. Now, there's been a wood so a wood stove certification and changeout program in Fairbanks. Um, it must have started. Gosh, it must have started 10 years ago, 12 years ago now. Where you could get your stove changed out with grants from the borough, from the state. It was all, I think it was all EPA money that came down initially. Uh, or maybe it was a, anyway, it was, it was a lot of government money was flying around. Encouraging people to change out their wood stoves with what was said to be at the time better stoves. Now it turns out that the uh, inspector general's office and the um, EPA's inspector general found that the agency's national wood stove certification program was flawed. They said the EPA spent about $82 million in grants for programs across the nation, not just in Alaska, to change out residential wood stoves. Um, and many of the replacement models failed to meet the emission standards, which is a problem when you're changing out. The whole attempt here was to use government money to change out stoves and, you know, and lo and behold, the stoves that they replaced them with failed to meet the same emission standards, which is just insane. Um, the people in Fairbanks were seeking to upgrade their wood stoves. They were able to use a state list of recommended products, which seemed to do a little bit better. Now, the uh, air quality in Fairbanks has gotten better since 2015, which I mean, as before as after I left, they have been able to cut the um, the fine particulate pollution, the PM 2.5, particulate matter 2.5. They've been able to cut that almost in half. Uh, the average fine particulate pollution uh, back in 2015 was about 130 micrograms per cubic meter. Last winter, it was down into the 60s and the 70s, which is a pretty pretty good time. The problem is the target is 35 micrograms per cubic meter, which is damn near impossible. I mean, just really impossible. I remember Glenn Miller who was the <clears throat> head of the Air Quality Division, as well as the Transportation Division, making the comments that while we were focusing on wood stoves, that even if you eliminated all the wood stoves in the area, and it's estimated that about 40% of the people in the North Star Borough burn heat either primarily or secondarily for their heat, right? So they either it's the primary heat or it's their secondary heat, about 40%. He said, even if you eliminated all the wood stoves, we would not be able to hit that attainment goal of 35 parts per meter. Um, and that is part of the problem, uh, because the next step, which the EPA has kind of let the cat out of the bag on, is that they're going to come after your furnaces. The issue gained some urgency after the EPA in January issued a mixed preliminary verdict on the state's most recent plan for getting, uh, for getting Fairbanks' winter air to federal standards. EPA found that while parts of the air quality attainment plan submitted by the state DEC would be positive steps, other parts of the plan were not acceptable. The EPA faulted the state plan for failures to justify emissions of requirements omissions, not emissions, but omissions of requirements for the best available control technology for coal-fired and oil-fired electricity generation or the use of ultra-low sulfur diesel for heating. That's what they want. They wanted, this is what's happening. They're, and I talked about this before I left Fairbanks, that this was the step that was coming down the road. 
First it was PM1, then it was PM3.5, and now it's PM2.5, and they're going to keep moving the needle on it. And the next step is to come after your stoves, your furnaces. They're going to want you to start burning ultra-low sulfur diesel for heating instead of number one or number two. And this is part of the problem. Of course, the Fairbanks business leaders, uh, understanding that there is business and there is balance and things like this, understands that the that these measures are going to be too expensive for many people. The cost of ultra-low sulfur diesel to burn in their furnaces is significantly higher than heating oil, and that's going to be a problem. So this new uh, this new um, legislative joint resolution. <clears throat> Is supposed to hopefully um, is supposed to host, hopefully uh, do something. It's going to call on the federal agency to improve the wood stove certification program that has been deemed ineffective. It also calls on the state to develop an economically and legally defensible state implementation plan to achieve federal air quality standards. Now, on the hook here, on the line for all this is some of the highway funds. That's what the EPA has been threatening with, that they will withhold highway funds if we do not hit attainment. Federal highway funds. Many of us have at one point said, well, do your worst, because if it comes down to the question of, you know, can we heat our homes? Can we live? Can we stay safe? Can we stay warm? That's a tough, in one of the coldest places in the nation, that's a tough question. How are we going to do it? Um, I think the next point of this is that they're going to leverage people out of burning uh, fuel oil, and they'll be forcing people to swap out their oil burners for natural gas burners, which was all part and parcel of the whole IGU thing in the beginning and all that stuff. That, I, I could see the handwriting on the wall. They were going to use it down the road to leverage people into that and basically say you have no choice. Uh, they wouldn't. They might offer changeouts or something like that, but it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. I, I, it's frustrating. I know. But anyway, this thing's been going on, like I said, for nearly twenty years, and here we are today. And uh, don't know what to say. Don't know what to say. All right, we're up on the break. I do have a line on hold. I'm sorry, caller. I wanted to uh, finish this story, and so we'll get back to it here in just a moment. And when we return, we will continue with your phone calls. I've got some other stories as well. And we can continue this discussion. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, in the break right now, let's go to the phones and get this caller's name so we know who we're talking to here. And see what they have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Yeah. Good morning. It's 
Mike. I'm from Wasilla. I left a message for you. Oh, okay. Anyway, Hi. Uh, uh, hold, 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 hold the line, yeah. Mike. We're in the commercial break, so I'll be back to you. You'll be first up in the queue when we come back from the commercial break so we could start on the radio. So hold the line, Mike in Wasilla. And why didn't that change? Because uh, why? Don't know. Let me check the Wasilla. Enter. There we go. All right. Now it's changed. Okay. Let me go back to the chat room. Let me go back to the chat room. Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, if the standard drops again, says Rob Myers, it'll catch the Matsu. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Um, but wait, gas stoves are bad, says Bill. I mean, that's the other thing. Because particulate matter also has to do with the amount of water vapor that's in the air, and uh, natural gas stoves still produce water vapor, and it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing, man. Uh, can you talk about? Oh, I just did. Kenneth's like, can you talk about the air quality bill? I just did. I just did. Imagine that the EPA flawed. I know. I know. It's a thing, you know, the whole thing, the, the thing that really drives me crazy about this whole thing is that initially it was, again, PM 1.0. And then it was PM, I think they actually had like a 0. 0.6 or something. And then they went to 3.5. And now they're down to PM 2.5. And one day it'll be PM 1. That'll be the answer. They'll just keep moving the goalposts until they basically tell everybody, you know, the problem with Fairbanks is that it has, uh, it's geographical. It's a valley. It's a bowl, right? Surrounded by mountains, and you get that super cold inversion layer air. And in fact, there's a whole there's a whole um, uh, did I just do it? Uh, there's a whole thing about how um, they talk about that during strong inversions, local levels of particulate can vary dramatically between neighborhoods, but they are more uniform during weak inversions. I mean, inversions are causing a majority of this, holding all this particulate matter and stuff down near the ground. Those are the worst days. I mean, I know because I lived in what they called the Triangle of Death. I mean, that that was not scary at all. The Triangle of Death in North Pole. It was this little triangular piece of area that was, it's a low-lying area just outside of North Pole that had some of the highest particulate matter day in the whole, I mean, I noticed some days you could smell the wood smoke or the coal smoke, but Never really bothered me. Apparently, apparently it's a thing. So, anyway. Um, Jerica says, honestly, can't believe we're having this conversation. Hey, that's what the, uh, that's what the, that's what the, uh, the, the government's here for. Uh, that's what the government's are here for. We always used to joke about what about the PM 2.5 when it was like forest fire season and stuff like that. I mean, come on. I'll, what do you think? Um, um, uh, okay. Um, if we keep up the global warming, the inversions will stop, right? Says. <laughs> Yeah, no, my, 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 my joke was always, you know, we should put up some of those big, you know, the big wind turbines that they use to collect power, right? You know, the big windmill turbines. I say that we should put some up on the hills and just power them and have them push the inversion across the top of the, just turn the fans on, you know what I mean? And blow the inversion across the valley. I, that was not really a real thing, but 
that's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, global warming, if we could just warm up, if we could just get it warmer, you know, and of course it has been pretty warm in Fairbanks since I left. Apparently it, my cold black heart was uh, making the whole interior colder. It's, you know, cow, wood stoves and cow, cow farts all ruining the environment. Hey, there was a new thing that says methane is actually helping. Uh, I'll, I can read you that story from the good news here in a little bit. All right, we're going back to it. <clears throat> Jumping back in, the Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Uh, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like a chair, like a chair. Here we go. All right. Uh, you guys ready? Uh, let's get back into it here. I got some other stories, but I do have one phone call on the line. Mike is calling from uh, Wasilla, and um, he wanted to talk about some of the problems that are going on in the Matsu uh, judicial system, I guess, is what we're talking about here. Uh, apparently, with a con artist that has been making his way across Alaska, he talked about this last week, I think. And we had several commenters in the show said that they'd have dealings with this uh, con man that Mike was talking about. So I guess we'll get the details here real quick and see if we can educate some people on the dangers of uh, dealing with folks and uh, get his thoughts on it. Good morning, Mike. What's on your mind? Well, I did some uh, checking. I came up with a few things that especially the folks in Fairbanks might be interested in. According to court view, now I've talked to a, quite a few victims in Fairbanks. I've been on this for five years, so... There's, I'm condensing five years of information into a, a few minutes. According to Courtview, uh, he paid about $245,000 in restitution on a half-million-dollar case, but every single person I've talked to in Fairbanks, none of them have gotten their money. And, and I just very interesting. Mike, I, I think for, for clarification here, we need the, we need to be the beginning of the story, uh, the guy's name and everything else for folks who weren't listening last week. So you're talking about somebody who has been conning people in the state of Alaska. Charles Link, uh, Yinkst, is that right? That's his name? Yeah, Charles Yinkst. He started out in Fairbanks I, somewhere back in the early 2000s. Then he moved down to the Matsu and Anchorage area. He's had two felony convictions down here. Today, actually, at 10 o'clock, courtroom four in Palmer Courthouse, he's going to be sentenced to basically nothing. Um, he was basically sentenced to nothing last time as well. Um, same, uh, same ADA, uh, Kristen Knoll, uh, Anderson, I think is her name is. And uh, essentially it's nothing. It's probation for X number of years and pay the restitution amount, but he doesn't bother paying it, at least the last time and probably not this time. But uh, anyway, moving on from there, Oh, you probably want a little background on him. Anyway, um, to make a long story short, he's continued with it. What he does is uh, he'll take a vehicle to repair it usually, steals the vehicle, strips it out, sells the parts, uh, walks away. Or he rents equipment, sells it, uh, and you never get the equipment. Or you get the equipment, but people want it back. Uh, in my case, he sold me a piece of equipment that didn't exist. He's sold cars that don't exist, things like this. 
uh, they're out of state and I got to get it up here type thing, which is it brings it to a federal level. But I'm gonna I'm gonna state if if somebody's got caught in that, they need to contact the FBI because obviously the ADA is not gonna do anything about it. Kristen Ol Anderson is just not interested. Um, but anyway, to, um, to come back up to date, uh, I, when I was investigating and, and looking into this, I found six felony convictions, and the three that I could find victim counts on, on the Class B felonies, there were 10-plus Class B felonies in these convictions. Each one of those is worth 10 years. Now, how many victims on the other three that I couldn't find anything on, I don't know. I just found basically a, a court file on it. And then there's 14 plus C felony convictions, which would be worth two years apiece. And uh, I, there was a comment made to me that everybody wants to have the maximum penalty. And I guess my question at this point is, when do we go for the maximum penalty other than just probation and and uh, you know? I mean, okay, if he's got, yeah, I mean, if he's got 15 counts of felonies against him already, then uh, I mean. How could, you know, uh, with a history like that, you're just going to give him probation and let him out, uh, no house arrest or nothing else, just let him out on probation? That 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 seems uh, that seems a little weak at this point. Well, I'm going to correct you. There's 24 fel- felony convictions, and he was on house arrest for six months. And so he could collect $10,000, and he gives that to the court and it's a, there's a scale of how much money he pays and how fast and how long he'll be on probation is basically the way it works out. And, you know, it, it's like the comment I made last time. He was out, I think, a week or two weeks, and he had $10,000 for the ADA. And I'm like, where did you get that money from? Did it just, you know, after you've been in jail for nearly five years, you've got no assets, and you can raise 10 Ten thousand dollars in two weeks. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, pretty remarkable. I think you and I talked last time that he only was asked to repay something like half of what he estimated that he stole. My question was: Was he sending it somewhere else and squirreling it away in Costa Rica or something? And then he was able to just pull some out and give to the uh, give to the system to uh, get him off the hook. Is he just building his nest egg and getting ready to retire? I mean, what's the deal here? Nobody knows because the money just vanishes into thin air. Uh, I talked to the investigating officer. They searched his home. They went through bank records, things of this nature. They couldn't find it anywhere. He, he strictly deals in cash. If you don't have cash, he doesn't even want to talk to you. So where the money vanished to, nobody knows. Uh, but this case was actually, well, the original amount that was uh, that was reported was 340000 Six weeks later, it was up to 640000 and he was charged on 340000 as I understand. But you can, I couldn't get numbers out of, the, uh, out of the DA's office as to exactly how much he had stolen. They wouldn't give me that. Matter of fact, they wouldn't even tell me what the maximum penalties for these were. Mm. And uh, I had to find that out on my own. So, Mike, what's your suggestion to, for dealing with this? Because I know you've been stung, and, and after we had that first conversation, there was uh, two people in the chat room at least that had said that they had had dealings with him as well. <clears throat> and so this guy's obviously pretty prolific. What's your suggestion here? Uh, for You said there's a court hearing today at 10. Are you suggesting that people show up, or what? what's your, what's your point here? Well, 
I would suggest several things. First of all, is write letters because this is this is far-reaching. This isn't just Yingst. This is far-reaching. What I would suggest is start sending letters to the governor's office, to your representatives, and telling them about it. Um, in a personal note, if they show up at the courthouse uh, when this hearing takes place, that would make a, a statement. Now, I got an email from the ADA yesterday. She's not going to be there. She's going to attend by phone. Um, I'm not going to going to go into that, but. Uh, anyway, just to make a, a statement of, look, we don't approve of this. And I've tried getting uh, the new Anchorage paper to do a story on it. I've tried getting the uh, uh, Frontiersman to do a story on it. I've tried to get various news agencies to do a story on it. Nobody's interested in this. And the only way we're, we're going to get any, any legislation through to get this kind of thing stopped is if we start bringing it to the attention of the, uh, you know, making it a bigger deal. Um, I've even I've tried contacting online news sources. They they're not interested in it. I've con tried to contact the people that are dealing with uh, the Supreme Court and uh, the, the, the dealing with that can't get their attention. And uh, basically, uh, you know, this to me this has pa gone past the the, uh, the the felon himself. This has gone to the judicial system. Um, when they when the ADA contacted me about the deal i told her no and uh she said well i'll send you an email and we'll talk about it so she sent me the email i don't remember i put some posts out or talked to somebody anyway i started getting phone calls from victims that got an email from her they would call on the phone they'd get an answer machine and she wouldn't call them back they'd send them send her email saying no she wouldn't she wouldn't call contact them back she just ignores them and the only reason why I'm getting contacted back is because I went through the victim's advocate in Anchorage and uh, right. the OVR. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything about the OVR. There's good and bad on on that. But in any case, um, yeah, there's just the the 98 percent are are uh, they're making plea deals on, and they're making these kind of plea deals. There's no justice here. Right. The, the victims of him well, and everybody else, they're being re-victimized over and over and over again. Right. Well, and I think there's some lessons to be learned here, Mike. I mean, first and foremost, buyer beware. Uh, if somebody only wants to deal in cash, especially for something that, you know, I mean, it's a legitimate business expense. If you're buying equipment or something like that, uh, then, yeah, you may want to... Uh, you, you you may want to rethink your drink. You may want to actually confirm that these uh, things are, uh, uh, you know, that these things are actually real and viable. And secondly, yeah, you need to continue to put pressure on your local uh, DAs and uh, and local folks and your legislators to talk about. It. Like I said, you came on the program, talked about it, dropped the guy's name. Charles Yingst is the guy's name, by the way. And immediately I had two people in the chat room say, yeah, I got I got ripped off by him for one of them said, well, it wasn't very much. It was only a couple thousand bucks. But I mean, two thousand bucks here, ten thousand bucks here. Pretty soon you got. Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy public enemy number one, which makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. A oh, pain in the what? Pain in the, I need to know. Inquiring minds want to know. What are you talking about? 
Welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska, this your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello. Welcome back to the program. <clears throat> Sorry, had an emergency reboot there during the middle of the commercial break. So uh, we're back. We're back, baby. And uh, you'd think it was Monday, but no, it's Wednesday. And uh, that means that Mike Shower is going to be joining us here uh, in just a little bit. We're going to be taking up with the Shower Hour of Power. That's, uh, that's dead ahead here as we get a chance to sit down and chat with State Senator Mike Shower about all the all about all the good stuff that's happening down. I mean, I'm trying to be positive. All the good stuff that's happening down in the legislature, right? Uh, it, 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 oh man. Anyway, we just finished up with Mike from Wasilla talking about uh, you know the the criminal cases and the the scammers that are out there. And yeah, they are out there. They are out there. And uh, uh, it's uh, it's. It's it's feeling feels bad, man. Hashtag feels bad, man. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's continue uh, let's continue here and uh, and jump uh, jump into uh, our next bit of story here. I do have some good news. Um, let's see, we talked about the wood smoke. Um, we should talk. How much time do I got here? We should talk about this. Um, the Alaska House Finance Committee yesterday voted against a request by the governor for a state attorney to help parents sue local districts. It was a vote of six to five with the two independent, I'm I'm using air quotes for those of you on the radio, independents on the finance committee joining the Democrats in voting this down. Uh, They were working on amendments on the $6.7 billion state operating budget that's going to apparently advance to the floor maybe as soon as next week. Um, But this was the apparently most controversial portion of the bill. In February, the governor asked lawmakers for for $209,000 to pay for a, quote, parental rights in education advocate. Um, Now, the parental rights thing has become kind of a hot button issue across the country as people look to stop, uh, you know, uh, people teaching uh, this. The paper says teaching about the history of racism. No, they're talking about critical race theory, not the history of racism. But, you know, critical race theory, sex education, transgendered rights in school and things like that. Uh, Soon after uh, he uh, requested the attorney, the governor did, he introduced legislation with his parental rights bill. Uh, But uh, Andy Josephson put in a controversial amendment that proposed to remove that money for the requested attorney. Uh, The Finance Committee co-chair, Neil Foster, said, I don't necessarily want to encourage folks to be suing each other, which, (laughs) okay. I mean, a parental rights advocate is, but, you know, we don't want folks to be suing each other. Foster and Edgmond, uh, the two independents, are two of the four non-Republicans of the majority. They both voted with the four minority members. All five Republicans in the committee voted against it. Uh, Frank Tomaszewski said he sees it. I see it as an erosion of parental rights in our state and within our education system. Um, now, the uh, the other issue was 
we don't, you know, we don't want to get involved in local politics. Sarah Hannon said, I, I think this is an overstep by the state. If you're dissatisfied, if communities are dissatisfied, you throw the bums out, elect a new school board, fire your superintendent, hire one that is responsive. All these things that we hear all the time, right? I mean, although the left uses lawsuits like they're candy, like they're passing out candy, it's, you know. Um, and, of course, Elise Galvin, what we might be saying is let's open a lawsuit instead of let's solve the problem. Okay. All right. Uh, the good news is, is that even if the request fails in the House, uh, it will still be subject to debate in the Senate. And uh, the uh, governor's office has basically said, even if the position is not included in the final budget, attorneys within the civil division of the Department of Law will continue to assist parents who believe that they may have had their parental rights violated. So there still could be some help out there, which... Yeah, I mean, it's good. I mean, here's the thing. These are, uh, and Mike Cronk, I think, said it really well. He said, this is your kid. No matter what anybody said, this is your kid. It's not the school's kid. It's not the state's kid. It's your child. And you need to have a say in what's going on. I added that at the end. But that's basically what I've been saying this whole time, is that you need to have that, you need to have that say. And, um, you know, I think that this was a good thing for the governor to do. Uh, and uh, although I am not surprised that the uh, folks in the on the more progressive side of the spectrum in the legislature are against that. I mean, you know, we're trying to save money here. We're trying to save money. So we're going to just do this anyway. Uh, so they have voted against that. But I think it's pretty clear that the governor, the governor's case basically can do what all these different divisions do. I'm sure he's got some unfunded positions in his administration, and I'm sure he could use that money to fund uh, something else if that's what he decides to do. Right. Because the legislature can only appropriate the money they can actually spend it. So the governor's office can do whatever the hell they want to do. They can find the $209,000 from somewhere else or $207,000, whatever, however the amount was. Anyway, um, just a, uh, I guess not surprising, not surprising that this is what's coming down, but these are the kind of fights that we're getting into right now in the finance committee. And it does show you one thing. It does show you what the finance committee uh, is, you know, the, the imbalance, I guess I should say, of the finance committee. That is, uh, that's, you know, the fact that it is literally controlled by Democrats. I mean, they've got, you know, they've got four Democratic members and the two quote unquote independents who were Democrats, previously Democrats. So they have a six to five majority in the, um, in the House Finance Committee, that could be telling as we get closer to actually providing a, uh, as we get actually uh, closer to providing something uh, like that on there. So, um, all right. Uh, phone lines are still open at 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. If you would like to sound off, we will continue uh, having discussions with you. And uh, then I'm going to try and get to the good news here in the next seven, eight minutes uh, because uh, because that's important. The, the we need to we need to have a little good news in our life, right? That's the whole that's the whole point here. We need to have a little bit of that 
little bit of that good stuff in our life as we continue to go through. So let's go over to the phones right now and see what uh, what you have to say. Again at 907-433-3150. We got a couple we got a couple lines on hold. Uh, we'll see uh, what they have to say right now. We'll start off over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, Joe Gottner. I'm Dale Curtis. Hey, Dale. What's on your mind? Well, that gentleman that was just on the radio about the uh, guy up north there that's uh, going to court. Yes. Uh, I got another. We have a... a one person, a guy down here, that it's a different scenario, but it's kind of in the same ballpark. I'd like his number if I get that mic, but but I want to. Uh, this first time I got on sound off in a long time. I've been here forty seven years. Started out in Homer, uh, and I don't want to go on too far with this today, but I want to thank you for your program. And I think you're probably a Republican. I don't know, and we will. I just probably should get off here. But I would like that guy's number. Uh, well, Mike up there. Yeah, on he this, on this case. Da- Dale, he didn't give his number, but if you want to give your number, I'm sure Mike is listening right now, and he can yeah. call you directly if you want to give your number. Absolutely, I can throw it out there to you. Uh, it's a nine zero seven four two zero forty one thirty two. Okay. All right, Dale. Well, thank you for for calling in and uh, and letting your voice be heard. I appreciate you uh, appreciate you listening. Uh, libertarian, by the way, not Republican, but close enough, I guess, for most people. Thank you so much for your call, Dale. Let's go over here, take another call. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Michael, this is Carlene and Kodiak. Hello, uh, Carlene. Mike and hello, Mike and Wasilla talking about the Charles Yinks story. Um, Mr. Yinks could end up changing his name because he deals in cash. Large corporations do it all the time. They get a bad reputation, and then they just incorporate under a new name. And then about Randy in North Pole, his conundrum, he could call the Social Security office and ask questions. Once you go on Social Security, about 25% goes to Medicare. And I know somebody who's 85 years old, collects Social Security, draws his pension, and works full-time six months a year. And so, Randy, you know, there's options there. I don't know what he could do, but he could maybe work part-time 12 months a year or full-time six months a year. Anyway, he would stay physically strong pay off his credit card, and be able to go see his family occasionally. Thank you, Michael. I I appreciate it, Carlene. Thank you so much. Uh, She was talking about Randy's call yesterday, asking if anybody that was out there had not taken their Social Security when they could have, because he was debating it, which, uh, again, to me, was ridiculous. Let's go over here. One other call before we go to break. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Mike. It's uh, Robert Hayes calling a uh, serious question about the shooting. Um, I noticed in the video that uh, the shooter was uh, shot dead in the, in the hallway. Does anyone know if the, the school had a lockdown keeping the kids safe? Because if that was the case, it worked very well. It kept the other kids uh, safe from being shot up. Do you have any news on that, Mike? I have no insight on that. I'll be honest with you. I have not. I mean, I've read the, I read the brief when it first happened. 
Um, and I have not uh, I have not looked into it beyond that. I'm assuming that in a lockdown situation, I did see that the Nashville police got inside the building from the time of the first call to the time that they were on scene and had stopped the shooter. It was three minutes, which was, uh, you know, obviously 10 times faster than anybody at Uvalde or Parkland or anything else. So I do know that that happened. I would assume that that the lockdown protocols were in place because that's the you know that's the protocols for almost every school in America right now. So I can only assume that right now. But no, I don't have any more details other than what you just you in fact probably have more details on this than I do right now. Yeah, well, I hope that's the case because if it was, it worked very well. And I I want to find out from our school districts if we have that kind of uh, system where it, you know, the doors are locked like that and the shooter gets stuck in the hallways, not able to get, you know, start shooting other kids like that. Because otherwise, the, the, per, the shooter had, what, two, two rifles and a handgun. They, 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 you know, that person could have killed uh, dozens of people. But it, uh, it, if it was a lockdown situation, they were stopped and it worked. It worked, and I, I hope we get those in our schools. I hope we have them already. Well, but, we, yeah, we know. have lockdown protocols in the schools. Those have already been enacted uh, in in our schools in the past. So yeah, they they, they do. It is uh, it is something that we already do in our schools. So um, yeah, that's to answer your question. All right. Well, thank you, my friend. I appreciate you calling in. Thank you for being part of it today. Uh, we're coming up on the break. Um, I got, uh, well, I guess here's one my one piece of good news. An Anchorage man found himself at the right time and at the right place last week. On Thursday, James West was driving past a pair of dumpsters in Anchorage when he noticed something odd. Uh, he looked and saw a moose chewing what on appear what appeared to be a trash bag according to west the moose was stumbling chewing profusely and foaming at the mouth he noted that he did consider contacting animal control but thought time was of the essence so he began uh, by the time he uh, began removing the plastic bag it was already all the way down the moose's throat it was a trash bag he was able to remove the plastic bag without causing harm to the moose or himself and after he removed the bag he gave the moose a pumpkin that was nearby, and then he sat there for about an hour with the moose watching it play and eat the pumpkin. So it's a good, you know, it's kind of a feel-good story. Saved a moose. What more could you ask for? All right, we got more coming up, Mike Shower, in hour two, the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Back with more after this. Okay, boy, whew, man, I don't know what happened this morning, um, but uh, I don't know, just all of a sudden, part of the audio just dropped out. Um, let me go over here. I'm just sending a text message to shower. All right. I had to restart the stream, which means he needed new connection links and stuff like that. All right, let me go back over here, see what you guys are talking about. See what you guys are talking about. 
I'm scrolling up. Scrolling up to the beginning here. All right, wait. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, we're back. Round two. Yeah. Um, $6.7 billion budget. Now $1.7 billion more than what our state, state can save. Let me just put this up here so you can read it along with me. They had to get rid of the billions in surplus tax revenues as quickly as they could to claim they are broke. Just like they did last year when oil prices went through the roof and they had a $4 billion surplus and spent it also. This is the SSDD. Same stuff, different day. Right? Some on the House Finance believe that government is truly the solution to all problems. I mean, exactly. This is exactly it. Um... All right. Did you already talk about the Jeff versus Natasha amendment? The what? Oh, Kevin, you're going to have to give me some down low on that. I don't, I don't even know anything about that. Don't even know anything uh, uh, about that. Um, YouTube is still down. Is YouTube still down? Nope. YouTube, I see comments from YouTube, so YouTube is up. Um... All right, need a flat tax, blah, blah, blah. Nope, replay. It's not a replay, Jeannie. This is not a replay. Jeannie's like, this is a replay. It's not a replay. Um, she shot through the locked doors, says Melody. That was one of the things. I haven't seen the video. I'm going to have to go watch the video. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, did you hear about the cyber bullies Shelly Hughes talked about yesterday? She sounded almost really giddy that people are getting restraining orders. Then other ones being sued for exposing the corruption of the Queen and community. I, I, I don't know exactly what Politidick is talking about there. Um, the manifesto left behind has scouted a different Christian school but chose the one they murdered at because the other school had too much security. Oh, I'm going to have to, I knew that there was a manifesto, but they hadn't put it out yet. So I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to go out and search it out because I'm curious as to what the justifications were. I mean, it, it's a brief look into the mind of madness, but you know, but exactly. They had chose a different school, but they chose the other one because it had, the first one had too much security. Um, let me see here. That story about the moose was on Facebook. Yeah, I know. I, I pulled it off of KTUU, who had themselves sourced it off Facebook. So, yeah. Um, okay. All right. Are we done with Dear Abby here? No, we're not done with Dear Abby. If you don't like it, flick the switch and go somewhere else. If he, For somebody who complains about the show a lot, he's sure here a lot. You know what I mean? If you don't like it, there are plenty of options out there. I mean, really not plenty because, uh, you know, I guess I'm the one and only Alaska morning talk radio show now. Uh, but, you know, there's plenty of other things. Um, Josephson put an amendment to develop a trail and put up a sign to identify the trail to Campbell Lake that is next to Natasha's house. Whoops. <laughs> Oops. Oh man. Um when you say they referring to the shooter, whom are you referring to? Um uh 
yeah, I think you're referring to the they is that was their preferred pronoun, right? Isn't that what it was? Possibly. All right. I see Mike Shower is um, in the green room, but I don't see any camera. Um, I don't see his I don't see a smiling face. Let me go over there and see if it's just a function of whatever. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I don't think I'm going to have video this morning. Uh-oh. I'm having camera issues, but I can hear you and see you. You can hear me and see me. All right. Well, that means I got to go over here and do something different um, <clears throat> while I fix this. All right. So I guess we'll do it this way. Um, all right. Uh, that means I got to... I got to juggle. Now I got to juggle and do other stuff while I'm trying to talk to you guys and everything else. How, 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 uh, how is it? How's, how's things going, my friend? What's, uh, what's happening in your world? Well, at least we have a little more fidelity on how things are going to play out, right? We're finally starting to get to that time where you can see what bills might be moving. You can see who's going to support and do what you can see kind of where the budget's going, starting to get some numbers on it. So we've got a little more to talk about this morning. Well, that's a positive. I'm I'm happy about that. I uh, well, like you may not to, be happy about things happening. But well, I mean, it's it's, a, it's it's at least good to know where you know which direction we're going. You know, at least it's at least to have a little bit of an idea of where uh, of where we're supposed to be going. All right, so we're gonna jump back into it here. Hold the line, Mike. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Back with more right after this. its holster we haven't gone anywhere i don't understand check out the michaeldukeshow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast welcome to the party pal the, the michael dukes show the greed and the entitlement is astounding to me what more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yeah, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com uh, and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Welcome to the program. It is hour two of the big radio show, and we are ready to get jiggy with it. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. But we're getting jiggy with it. That's what we're doing here on this Wednesday edition of the program. Just finished up a little open line, open forum, had some uh, conversations with you. A little good news, a little news about the legislature. But now in hour two, it's what we lovingly call the shower hour of power. Yep, we're going to dive into it right now with uh, State Senator Mike Shower, who uh, joins us to talk about 
Well, all the things that are happening down in the legislature, let's uh, let's go over to him right now and see what uh, he has to say this morning as he joins us uh, from an undisclosed secret location. No, he's down in Juneau somewhere. Uh, he's uh, but it, we don't have video of him this morning. We only have audio, and that's that's how it works. Apparently, he's got bedhead. What's happening, my friend? How are you doing? Oh, doing okay. I'm actually home today. Um, I flew in late last night, so a bit tired. But there, today is the Vietnam, uh, you know, Memorial Day oh, internationally. Right. Yeah. And so I normally either myself or Gary Stevens um, will speak to Vietnam on this day. You know, on the floor, just just say a little bit about the you know the war itself and the veterans. And I did it on Monday. And uh, because I knew that I was going to be here today and I kind of you know, had a little fun with it. As, you know, I was looking at the Senate president, said, well, you know, Mr. President said, you know, being, you know, seeing as the fact that I have no obligations here during the work week <laughs> uh, with no committees uh, and that I've been invited many years to come speak at this. I gladly took the invitation this year um, and then went on to speak, you know, about the veterans and the war and and say a few words about it. So I, I had to, it was even kind of funny because I was looking at, he smiled a little bit. I mean, you could see what I said. That. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, got to have a little fun with it, right? He so, knew exactly um, what you were talking about. I mean, oh, yeah. You I know. mean, he, he knew I was, and I was smiling when I said it, and he kind of smiled a bit, you know. Right. Just, just making, like I said, man, you make lemonade out of lemons. I had to make a little fun about it. But of course, normally people will turn and look at you when you speak about some of those things. Not one person turned and looked at me. And I thought that was kind of interesting, but that kind of tells you when you say stuff like, you know, hey guys, you gave me no committees, so I'm not going to sit right. around here and waste time. And frankly, um, you know, going to honor the men and women who served in Vietnam, veterans in general, Mike, but especially that war, um, is far more important to me. Um, you know, even if I had committees, I think I would have bowed out today to come back and do this because um, I've always, uh, you know, um, tried to be here for it. And I was here last year, but they had a, a keynote speaker from the base. And so this is just one of those things that you know, um, is so important, uh, on the scheme of things or in the scheme of things to honor those, like I said, those men and women, mostly men, of course, not too many women served in Vietnam, but some did. And, uh, you know, I take that one real solemnly to me, uh, to come back and, and take time. And I consider it quite an honor, uh, to be asked to speak this time. And, uh, you know, when you go through some of the numbers and look at Vietnam, how they're treated, like I said, on the floor, you know, Monday in the, my little talk about it um of all the wars we've had you know there's really only one i can think of where the the veterans who served were treated poorly you know every other war they've been you know either not people don't talk about it much at all like you know the one i was in kosovo you know 99 people didn't even right you know, they couldn't even turn off american idol they didn't even know we were having a war you know going on you know it was like non-existent in americans minds or you know it's world war ii or virtually the entire country's engaged but one war you know, the veterans who served, most of who didn't even volunteer, uh, and have, as the average age was around 19, um, were treated poorly, you know, spit on and called baby killers and warmongers and just, you know, the left mostly, liberals at the time, who, you know, just treated them terribly. And, uh, you know, I've told a lot of stories of different people I know and things that happened to them, but um, it was... One of those things that, you know, I think the country's turned the corner on that now, obviously, but, you know, there are not just scars from the war, perhaps in some ways there's more scars from many of them from what they dealt with coming home, you know, and, and right. leaving over 58,000 of their brothers in arms, you know, um, you know, in the ground from that. So it was it's a tough one to talk about. And 
I threw out an interesting statistic I found just always trying to look at something that you can talk about and just highlight some things for people to kind of consider as they think about what happened then uh, to those veterans is that today there was over 9 million that served uh, throughout the Vietnam War. 9 million, all right, over that almost 10 years. And there's a little over 6 million left. They're still alive. But I was looking at the numbers because of the age. And within the next 10 years, um, there will be only about 2 million of them left or maybe a little under that. And by the time we get to 2050, if we're lucky, there'll be, a, you know, maybe 100,000. So um, you're getting to that time where you're starting to lose, you know, that that uh, that generation. So anyways, I didn't, I didn't, want, <laughs> didn't want to be too somber, but um, yeah. it is one of those things that is today. And it's a chance to, you know, if you ever see anybody wearing a, you know, hat that says Vietnam or, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, it's go up to their, go up to them, shake their hand and say, thank you for your service. And you don't have to say any more, but I do that every chance I get every time I see somebody. And uh, I think it matters to them now that people say it and helps helps heal a little bit right it, it's, it was a tough one man that was that was not a good war not that there's ever a great you know a good war in that sense that's not the right way to say it but that was a that was not well done by our nation you know to uh take care of and honor the people that served uh that stepped up you know whether they were drafted or not but um right well i mean mo like I mean, you said most wars veterans were welcomed home with open arms with open arms right i mean it was a you know it was a homecoming it was uh you know thank god you're home and job well done kind of thing and for that war it definitely was uh you know almost as traumatizing coming home as it was being in the field at that point so definitely a tough thing and uh yeah, I'm, I uh, want to thank all the veterans out there, especially Vietnam vets, for their service today. That's a it's, yeah, it's a good thing for sure, absolutely. So yeah, so I'm home for that today, and, and like I said, it's uh, at least I'm doing something useful. <laughs> yeah, so. at least at least I'm doing something useful, exactly. Um, all right, well, and I because I was just reminded when you said that about saying it on the Senate floor, you know, Gary Stevens. My favorite quote is, "I'm not saying it's punitive, but yeah, it's pretty punitive." That was kind of his quote about the fact that none of you got committee assignments. I'm not saying it's punitive, but yeah, you could see it that way. It's punitive. Um, well, I mean, to, to Gary's credit, he's been very honest about it. He's not hiding behind it. He just said what he thinks. Yeah, so, you know, I give it, credit where it's due. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, Mike, uh, what else has been going on? I mean, this is obviously, uh, you know, you, you're down here today for uh, for the Vietnam Veterans Day. But uh, what's been happening in the legislature that you've been watching? And, and yes, you're a kind of a fly on the wall. Uh, you know, you're living in a broom closet. Uh, I've seen you're in Rob's offices, uh, which I think my bathroom <laughs> is actually larger than your office. Uh, it is. But, uh, you know, you guys are down there, the the bad children, the dunces in the corner with your little hats on and everything, uh, punishing the children. What have you, you know, what have you been watching? What have you been seeing from your, what do you spy with your little eye there? And what are you working on um, for folks that want to be up to date on that? Well, you know, some we've already talked about, but, you know, you can kind of see where things are starting to move and you can kind of see how the Senate coalition, at least the majority coalition, you know, it's kind of not kind of they're doing things that, you know, we were generally promised wasn't going to happen. There were going to be no socially divisive bills, which we've discussed here over the last few weeks. But you can see a lot of them start to move, which is concerning because, you know, now you've got to, you know, hope that the House is going to hold back on some of these things. And, and I'm talking from a, uh, you know, more conservative or values oriented person. I mean, there are just some of these, uh, I saw one yesterday, of course, this was the house, but the uh, LGBT anti-discrimination kind of thing that really becomes a discrimination. You know, it's almost like reverse, uh, you know, quotas, if you will, for hiring. Um, you're seeing that 
moved through a committee very quickly yesterday. You're seeing the BSA and the uh, you know bill kind of smoking its way you know into finance. You're seeing the defined benefit plan looks to be moving pretty quick. So in the Senate, there are things which is really you know concerning because some of the people even campaigned last year that are back in the Senate on being fiscally responsible, and yet they're part of a coalition that has just you know got some bills that are going to ultimately cost us billions of dollars. Um, they're just an afterburner, you know, like full speed ahead um, on these bills. And last year, it was funny to watch some of them either in the campaign mode, trying to get back into the Senate or, you know, in the Senate talking about how fiscally irresponsible we were because we passed a, a statutory dividend, follow the law, what a concept, right? And, you know, we were adding money to the capital budget. But of course, at the time, oil was high. You know, as I've said before, we had money, we had a need to spend it and followed the law. So I was, I'm a fan of that. You know, I've talked about the, the having a plan, which, you know, a comprehensive plan would include a spending cap that would hold that down that they won't do. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm watching what some of them said last year about, oh, fiscally irresponsible going, we were fiscally irresponsible. One, we just tried to follow the statutory guidance on the PFD and, and, and have tried to enact a comprehensive fiscal plan that would control this, but you guys won't do it. That's number one. Number two, the things that we did last year that were really additive to the budget were one-year expenses. They were not things we're necessarily stuck with year after year. It was the dividend, which of course they've given much lower ones in the past because now we can do whatever we want without a plan. And number two, it was the capital budget, which is, of course is every year changes, right? Based on your needs and based on what you may have available. Well, guess what, my friend? We ain't doing that now. The things they're talking about money, the BSA, that's that bad disease you can't get rid of. That's forever. And the defined benefit plan, that's the same kind of thing, my friend. Once you enact those, you're talking billions of dollars and you're stuck with them. Those aren't next year oil comes down and you can just stop paying it, right? This is actual increase to government size and cost. Right. Because it's not a year over it's a year over year cost. It's not a temporary one year at a time. So you talk about fiscal irresponsibility, fiscal conservatives. I'm kind of laughing at this one, Mike, because in this coalition, there don't appear to be any. You know, there may be some that want to do that, but they're part of a coalition that is pushing forward with billions of dollars of spending right now. So that's concerning because of where that's going. Now we'll see what happens in finance. Um, but you know, I think the last number I saw somewhere around 640 million for capital, something like that. But of course, you're adding tons of money um when you go just a, over a quarter of a billion alone for the bsa increase making it the most expensive agency with no accountability attached to it but we talked about that we can't seem to get that through and you know the the actuarials on the defined benefit if that goes through i mean you know i've seen numbers anywhere from 200 million a year minimum to to several billion because it depends on how the fund performs right you right bad years i mean you're, right. you're billions of dollars partner where are you going to get that from well, where do you think that money's going to come from right the presentation from reason magazine and i'm still trying to get the guys from reason on who did the presentation in front of the legislature to talk about it but i mean they said that it, you know it could add eight billion dollars to the unfunded liability in just a you know, a decade or two. I mean, that's a that's a significant problem. Let's just put it that way. Eight billion dollars. We already still have a seven billion dollar deficit from the previous uh, defined benefits, and now they want to add no. more. I was just I was going to ask you: Did they? Is there any more solid numbers that have come out on this, or is it still just kind of a you know what's the deal? Well, they don't want to. They're not going to highlight the cost of this, Mike. Obviously, and you're certainly not going to have most of the press talk about it because that's not the narrative. 
So they're not going to talk about it. And because the, um, the, the big elephant in the room, right, that nobody wants to discuss because they know where that is going to take us battle lines again is going to be, well, the money's obviously going to come from the permanent fund dividend. So that's, that is the plan. That's, that's, that's the money they have to take right now is the earn is more earnings from the dividend. So you're already seeing the 75, 25 plan. I'm seeing people that have traditionally, you know, been very protective of the dividend are now even talking about the 75, 25 plan. One of them, I believe even put it in the last week or two. So now you have this, this pivot again, to take that money to funnel it, obviously to very specific niches, a few thousand people, you know, from a, from a government perspective, this, this is becoming the Senate is, has become this year a government first organization spend more money focused on the government specifically the government first and the private sector is nowhere to be found no consideration of it no sure. consideration for private sector businesses or growth this is going to be all government all the time right and that's that's truly well, become the focus of this of this senate kind of in general this year you well, can tell just look at look at the numbers yeah and there's no discussion on where the money comes from what's the cost to alaskan citizens what you know who pays the bills you know, where does this money come from? And none of those discussions are really happening. Uh, they're basically trying to decide which pot of money to steal from. But there's no Mike, overall... there's only one pot of money to steal from. Yeah, exactly. But I mean... There's only one. Yeah. But the bottom line is, is that they're not talking about what are the long-term costs of any of this stuff either. So it's it's crazy stuff. Well, Mike... because once they start talking about that, it's going to start generating resistance. <laughs> when you say it's... When you start being honest and saying, oh, this is probably going to cost us a couple billion dollars. Also, people, well, maybe I don't want to support that. And oh, by the way, I got to run for office next year and I'm going to have to tell people that I'm, I'm going to take their dividend from them. And oh, by the way, guess what, my friend? Guess what? Let's talk about the end game, because the other thing, the other elephant, because there's probably two big old elephants sitting in the room that they still will never discuss. And we've said it on this program dozens of times is you have somewhere between 100 to 125 million dollars a year already before any of this other stuff look right. into the books right. of increases just based on contract you know in, yeah. uh, increases etc just big once in. you do that you're about a half a billion a year every single year or I mean every 5 years so add that to this and see where you are within just a few short years yeah. 5 years 7 years 8 whatever you've taken all of the dividend even when we're kind of hitting a, a, an average year for you know revenue projections which means, guess what? Because those things are going to keep increasing because you've made the government the priority, not the private sector, not the people. You've made government and government employees the priority. Guess what happens next after you've taken all the earnings of the dividend? Well, there is on. only one thing left to do. Come on, Mike. It just it just means it means one thing. It means that we just aren't paying our fair share. I can already <laughs> see the arguments coming in. We're not paying our fair share. That's why we're gonna have to start looking at taxes as well, et cetera, et cetera. Oh. It's a it's a whole it's a whole thing. You, you can't um, it's taxes, Mike, and you're, oh. you're not gonna be able to afford living here. We're gonna drive businesses out. It's gonna be we're we're heading in a really bad direction right now. Uh Mike showers our guest the michael duke show continues we got more coming up common sense liberty based free thinking radio we return with mike shower right after this listen to by more staffers in juno than any other show because their bosses told them to and after what they just heard oh man they're going to be best. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Okay. <clears throat> in, this, in the break right now, State Senator Mike Shower is our guest. 
Geez, Mike, tell us how you really feel about what's uh, going on down there. I mean, here's the thing. The wheels are eventually going to come off the bus, right? Because it's that thing you can't really argue with. It's the math, right? You can't really argue with the math. And that's where we're at right now. I mean, this this stuff is going to eventually cost us some real some real money. Uh, and, and there's going to be no more pots of money to draw from. And then what are we going to do? Well, then they're going to come, like I said, and they're going to turn to us and look us in the eye and say, well, you know, Alaskans are just not paying their fair share. So now we need more taxes. Now we need more revenue. Uh, and I'm sorry your PFD is gone, but, you know, that's just the cost of, of taking care of society, yada, yada, yada. Well, I go back to it, Mike. You know, we talked about the comprehensive fiscal plan. And, you know, we had a broad-based tax in there. You know, I know people were dogging on Rep Carpenter, but him and I and Myers and, and many others have discussed this for years now, that if we will not reduce the size of this government by just taking the pain, right, the pain at least for government employees in certain sectors, unions, et cetera, that count on that government money and reduce the cost of government, somebody has to be the adult in the room, Mike. Somebody has to do that because we have to pay the bills, right? And the unfortunate thing is you can't find the numbers right now. Went through this five years ago when the governor, Governor Dunleavy, did the big, you know, re, you know bigger cuts. And, you know, the world was going to fall apart. You saw how that battle played out. My point is, is that you have to have a comprehensive plan. The most important part of it, you and I, to me, that you and I have talked about is that spending cap, right? You get that tied back to revenue, almost like you look at your trailing five years and you can have something at least that limits that growth. We wouldn't be able to do what they're doing right now because they would be constrained. They would have to either find more reductions to put money into the BSA and define benefits, fine. Then at least you're offsetting, right? Because you have something you have to constrain yourself with, you know, or they wouldn't be able to do it or they wouldn't be able to do it at the rate they're doing it. The problem is we don't have that limit on us, right? And they, they some people give talk, we got a statutory. I'm like, give me a break. We don't follow the statutes. How many times do I have to say? We've said that here a thousand times. If we don't follow the statutes and statutory guidance to limit a legislature that seems to desperately want to spend more money than we have, well, that's not going to work. It has to be a constitutional lift that's just too hard um, to get passed on a, on a yearly basis. So the most important part of that to me was that spending cap. Well, we're not going to pass that anytime soon. And so the next option, Mike, is to just take all the money, which is the direction that they have decided to head. They're just going to take every penny that they can get their hands on from the permanent fund dividend earning or the permanent fund earnings. And once that's over, they'll go to taxes. And we're discussing it even now. And some of us are trying to be the adults in the room and get there early, not by itself, not tax. I've said this before, too. I don't support taxes just by themselves. I will never vote for taxes until I see the rest of that package enacted. Right. I want a whole package because without a spending cap, again, you're just burning money. Right. And I'm pretty confident, I hope at least, that the governor is not going to support without vetoing any tax that comes through without you know, being part of the comprehensive plan. And you've got to have the spending cap in that. And you need to protect the dividend and the constitution, you know, at least in some manner, like we talked about from the policy working group. So this is, this is back to the same thing, Mike, they're just going to spend money and they're just going to tax and they're not going to do the other stuff that's going to constrain them. And unfortunately with the a Republican, you know, majority, well, I should say with more Republicans in the Senate, you would think with all of the rhetoric in the past about fiscal responsibility, we wouldn't be doing this. It seems like those days are over. So, well, and again, like you said, without us, without a constitutional spending cap 
all we're doing is giving them more money to play with. And that's always been my argument about, you know, because we've talked about a tax on this program for quite a while, you know, flat tax and everything else. And, you know, taking a lot of heat for it. And I'm like, I'm just like you. I'm like, we've got to get ahead of this argument because this argument is coming. This argument is coming. Uh, they're they're going to they're going to try and tax. If you don't get in front of it, they're going to hit you with the most painful, uh, most uh, you know, most deep diving tax that you can po- and the one that will be most ineffective. And you won't be able to help craft the uh, craft the discussion. So you've got to get ahead of it. And I'm glad to see the discussion is at least out there going on uh, right now. But like you said, without that spending cap. We've got a problem uh, because yep. then they'll just they'll spend the dividend and the tax revenue, and it'll just be worse for us. We got to go. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, not your daddy. Wait, sorry, not your daddy. Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Huh. Whew, I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Yes. Michael Dukes and the show. It's like I've got a sidekick. Welcome back to the program. We're continuing now. State Senator Mike Schauer is our guest. And uh, we're talking with him about things that are going on in the legislature. We were just talking about... Uh, you know, the need for an absolute control on spending, because obviously these legislators cannot control themselves. They can't think beyond the, you know, one or two years to the next election cycle. And nobody's considering the unintended consequences of the spending path that we're on right now. How do I know that? Because I've been arguing about this spending path for 20 years on this program. And yet, Nobody is really taking it up. And the few conservatives we see we get in there, uh, either they waffle at the last minute, as we saw during Governor Dunleavy's first budget there, where he couldn't get enough support to help override the vetoes, or they get sidelined, as we see in the case of uh, Rob Myers and Shelley Hughes and our guest, State Senator Mike Schauer, who are now all relegated to small little closets and penalized without having any committees or being able to basically disenfranchising the voters of uh, of these three state senators, which is just, it's astonishing to me. So, Mike, you're right. We've got to control it. What is the status? Uh, I know that Ways and Means has got a couple bills in there uh, dealing with, uh, with, the state, uh, with the state spending cap and everything else. What's the word? I mean, the, the, the coalition in the Senate doesn't really seem interested in taking anything like this up. So, What's the no, there's a there's a member or two in there that are. But I go back to Mike. They've joined a coalition that has no interest in it. Right. So, you know, that you can push your own version of a spending cap. What's the point? You're you're in a coalition of 17 people where the vast majority of them have no interest in passing a spending cap. So you've thrown your lot in with people. You know, if you are wanting to have a spending cap, if you are wanting to see any constraints on spending, you joined a group of people that aren't going to do it. And so it's kind of a pointless, you know, it's kind of a exercise in futility, in my opinion. Um, and so I'm not saying every single person in that coalition is necessarily for spending more money, but if you've thrown your lot in with that group, Mike, then that's what you're a part of because you're not, you're not in a minority or a different group that would be able to stop that kind of um, behavior or that direction. So, and you, since you have now a Democrat dominated Senate coalition majority, where do you think they're going to go with spending, Mike? I mean, they, they don't even hide that. That's right, their, right. That's kind of their MO. I mean, government first, more spending. That's generally where Democrats in today's world go with this. So, 
Um, I'm not even seeing much support anymore for the dividend. There have been some stalwart protectors of the dividend over the years, you know, the last number of years of battle, but that seems to be evaporating as well from best I can tell. So I, I don't even know if we're going to see many votes for a statutory dividend or even a 50, 50. So back to the house, you have some hope, you know, I mean, rep Carpenter still, you know, pushing from ways and means as the chairman on a comprehensive fiscal plan, making a statement by putting out a sales tax, which would be, you know, part of that fiscal plan. If, if again, you had the comprehensive plan, so, you know, you have the House, I think, that some of them are going to try that coalition to to make some movement. But you go back to the same thing, Mike. Now you're back to a Democrat-dominated Senate, you know, coalition that's going to stop anything like that that comes across from the House. So you're right. Back to where we've been, in a way, um, for the last number of years, where um, the dividend will be smaller, whatever that number is. Uh, we won't follow the statute on it. We won't enact a spending plan you know, a comprehensive spending plan, you're going to see some movement, some concerning movement on some socially divisive issues um, and out of the Senate for sure. And you're seeing some movement of some of those in the House, which is concerning. So, you know, hopefully some of the committee chairs and committees are going to not allow, you know, these socially divisive things, because that is that just goes back to what we saw with the dividend. Right. I mean, that's just torn us apart. You know, when the previous governor did that, Mike, I don't think we'd be sitting where we are today, quite frankly. I was having this discussion with Senator Hughes and Myers yesterday, uh, and, you know, would we be sitting, would any of us even be sitting in these seats today, at least Myers and myself, if the previous governor had not done that? Why? Because then Dunleavy probably wouldn't have, according to him, probably would have resigned to run for governor because he was so frustrated with what was happening. So I wouldn't be in this seat right now. You know, the Republican majority in the Senate probably wouldn't have been tearing itself apart, you know, trying to figure out how to solve this problem and people that support it and didn't accept So. The dynamics of this state, literally politically, have been just turned upside down since that dividend was first taken, you know, and, and the law was no longer followed. And then, of course, our courts decided to, you know, just go that way, uh, you know, and ignore the law. So I it, it's fascinating to look back at that. But now we're into that same every year battle and it hasn't changed this year either, because now you got a house controlled by Republicans that over the last few years had it been that way. We probably could have made some movement on some of these things. Uh, but now you're back to, okay, now the House is finally kind of a little bit more controlled that way. But now you got a Senate that's gone the other direction. So it's like, uh, um, just can't seem to take that, you know, for every, what's that, two, you know, one step forward, two steps back. Right. That's what it kind of feels like. So, but again, the concern, you're seeing the BSA movement, you're seeing the defined benefit movement, you're seeing um, divisive social bills move, even some moving through the House. And so the concern becomes, will the House be able to block some of the bad stuff? And then, of course, we're going to have to rely also on the fallback that the governor is going to have to you know, look at uh, what he may be willing to let pass or veto. Because Mike has said very clearly that he's not going to support, he's going to veto a tax if it's not part of a comprehensive plan. I hope he stands by that because he may have to. Um, I believe he's been pretty forward on, you know, some of the socially, what I would call the more socially divisive bills that we were promised weren't going to happen that are, uh, and stop those and veto them, uh, because he won't have the, there won't be the votes to override a veto. I can tell you that almost for sure. Right. Um, based on the numbers, but you know, it sucks uh, that we have to, to terrible language, I guess, to get to that point, but it, it really does that we're at this point of having to play the game this way, but. That kind of seems to be where we are, Mike. I mean, Alaska really is, is from a political perspective, very dysfunctional and has been since I've been there. Um, you know, in a, in a year, a couple of years before that, 
and it, and it really does look at the root cause, right? Think of the root cause. And to me, it goes back to the dividend being taken. That's when the state really went upside down politically from being able to work on doing certain things. So it's just, oh boy. Um, but that's the numbers we're seeing. Like, for example, 640 is a number I've seen for capital budget, which seems really high in a year when we already know we're going to be adding. Uh, and oil's now dropping, dropping, dropping with the revenue forecast. So we don't have the money. I've seen numbers uh, roughly around between 1 to 1.5 billion now on deficit. So you can know where that money's going to come from if they decide to put that in. That's going to chop it right out of the dividend, which you can start to play with numbers of what a, a dividend would be at that point, $1,200 maybe. You know, plus or minus in that right. ballpark. Well, we know that the um, house is and... pushing. We know that the house is pushing for a twenty-seven hundred dollar dividend, which would simply essentially be the fifty-fifty, uh, yeah. and and that. But the the Senate's been talking about a thousand, thirteen hundred, somewhere in that neighborhood. So, you can already see the disparity there, and it'll be interesting to see how that's going to be ironed out in conference committee. But with all this bad yeah. news that you're laying on us, Mike, I mean the 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 question then becomes. What do we do? I mean, vote harder. That's the answer. Vote harder at this point. I mean, what what is the you know, what is the answer to try and fix this problem? I mean, or do we just let the whole thing crash and burn and then try and rebuild? I I just you know, at this point, a lot of us are just shaking our heads going, you know, know. what do we do? There's no there's no good answer at this point, seems like. Unfortunately, I, I tend to agree with you. I like to try to be positive. I'm generally, as you know, a glass half full guy, although perhaps this job is changing that for me, um, being a little more pessimistic. And I hate to be. I want to be hopeful, right? Because there's things I stand for. I want to see a comprehensive plan that puts us on a path to sustainability and stability so that businesses will actually want to invest in this state, right? Um, I want to see that a good education system, of course. You know, I'd like to see good infrastructure, roads, airports, ports, you know, starting to build things up and maintain what we have because I want to see a place where my kids and grandkids want to stay here, Mike. That's this is our lot. Alaska is our home. And so I want what I'm focused on is what the future is, because today is not as important as, as tomorrow. Right. From our perspective, because you have to have those things. But we are so dysfunctional that we are not taking steps on those things. And this entire focus of the Senate is on the state, the state, the state. State workers, state contracts, state, state, state first, government first. Everything is government first out of the Senate right now, Mike. And that's only a small fraction, right, of of the populace because most people work in the private sector. And that's where you get growth. The government takes money. It doesn't make it. It takes it from the private sector and then redistributes it as they see fit. The private sector is where you need the growth and investment to grow your economy, to make it strong so that your kids and grandkids will want to stay here and have jobs. Like I've said before, what's the point of a world-class education system if when the kids graduate, they have no jobs? They're leaving anyways. So all of this is about thinking to the future and the stability and sustainability of this state. And I don't mean state government, the state as a, as a place to live. And so it is frustrating to watch the focus of the Senate, which seems to be entirely on state government, um, to the exclusion of just about everything else. And so I am with you that I'm. it's a little bit pessimistic and that's not who I am. But yeah, I vote harder, of course. I mean, work for new candidates and hope, but I don't, when you look at the districts, Mike, and the way it pans out, I mean, it's not, I don't see a lot of changes in the legislature in the next election. So you might pick up a few seats here and there, might make a little ground back, but I don't see major changes with how this state population is changing. A lot of people coming from the left coast, a lot of people are leaving, you know, Alaska and going to greener pastures, as we've talked about. So that's not encouraging because you don't have the big base right? Of, peop- of voters, if you will, from the perspective of being taxpayers, potential 
um, to do anything with. Because if you grow the state at the rate we're talking about, you'll tax the few people working, you know, into the ground. And what's the other issue? If you're a business owner, whether you're a big oil company or a private mom and pop shop, what's got to be on your horizon? You know, looking at what this state is doing, where do you think they're going to come next? Because it ain't going to be just for the people, right? Because who, who's always the easy, easy target, right? For, <laughs> oh, pay their fair share. It's the wealthy, of right, course, right. and it's the businesses. Oh, those evil businesses, make how dare them make a profit? They should give it all away, right? <laughs> so um, those are going to be a target too. And I've seen some of those things on S-Corp taxes. I've seen things coming up for the oil taxes. And so, um, you know, again, the tax, tax, tax word um, is being thrown around all over the place. And there's lots of options um, that are being, uh, you know, proposed and pushed forward. So everything is, in my opinion, going in the wrong direction uh, without a comprehensive plan because we have nothing to constrain that moving forward. And so, you know, not being Texas or California with 35, 40 million people to draw from and diverse, a diversified economy that can take some hits to the oil price, right? Because we're a petro state and we can't afford that. Um, that's dangerous ground for us to be on. So yeah, it's, it's a little bit of gloom and doom today because we're getting more fidelity on what's happening, on which bills are moving, on the direction they're going with spending, the direction they're going with taxes, um, and what I see coming out of this. So the battle lines are pretty clearly drawn, relying on the House coalition, uh, majority coalition. We're going to have to rely on the governor to hopefully hold the line on some of these things, because I think the Senate's, quite frankly, a lost cause right now, um, you know, based on where it's going. And you got three conservatives in a minority that have virtually no, no power to do much of anything, right? Yeah. Really? I mean, we can't stop anything. We can vote no all day long. There's not a thing we're going to be able to stop. So um, we'll see where that goes. But people need to hear that. I mean, I'm going to tell your audience. They know that. I'm not going to pull punches. I'm going to tell you what I see. If it's great news, I'll tell you that. If it's terrible news, I'm going to tell you that, too. Because the one thing voters need to be over everything, Mike, like or hate the news or the person telling it to you, is they need to know what's happening. They need to be informed. And right now they need to understand that is, yeah, of course, find some good candidates if you don't like where this is going. Try to help other people get elected. But I'll tell you, unless you see the red wave come through, um, you know, I don't see a lot of changes next year. Um, a few, but I don't see enough to maybe change the whole dynamic all of a sudden, um, you know, out of, out of where things are. And frankly, what good is a red wave if you have, you know, a majority of Republicans and they do this anyways, because that's Alaska standard, my friend. This happens all the time. You got more yep. Republicans and yet they switch sides and join Democrats and we end up with this. Um, yep. So, I don't know. Well, he's such a, he's such a ray of sunshine. Uh, <laughs> Mike, Mike Showers, our guest. The Michael Duke Show continues. We got more coming up. We're going to return with him. One final segment dead ahead right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now. Uh, Mike Schauer is our guest. I see the FACTA folks have showed up here uh, in the oh, chat room. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're there. They're always there commenting. The trolls are alive and well. I can see that. It's uh, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, I mean, Mike, this really is, I mean, we're joking about it being doom and gloom, but, man, it just it feels so, uh, 
it feels so helpless sometimes. I mean, I've been fighting uh, and advocating on this show for cuts to government for 20 years. Nobody's listening. Nobody has bothered to do it. There's no political will in the legislature to get this done. And it's it's uh, it's ultimately frustrating. It really is. And I know that there's a lot of folks out there that feel the same way. And they're basically like, what's the point? Right. What's the point of trying to because it just it doesn't matter. People want to throw their hands up in the air and walk away. That's a uh, you know, it 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 really is a frustrating thing. Yeah, I know, Mike. Um, I've been here uh, for now year six of this. So maybe only about a third of the time you've been fighting the battle, you know, from this front. But I, I myself have put in a couple billion dollars worth of reductions and almost every one of those have been shot down. Right. Supported the governor to the end. I was one of about a dozen legislators left. And then they ended up having enough people cave to reinstate virtually every veto he made back in 2019 um so government just kept on growing and though a lot of those were supposed fiscal conservative republicans at the time so yeah i I know mike it is frustrating it's depressing at times i mean we can't just stop fighting but um when you see where things are going in alaska you know there are other states that are holding the line really strong on some things so it just depends but again Mike just went silent. Radio silent. I just, Am I there? Yeah, we just Back. lost your connection Sorry. for a second there. Go Oops. ahead. But anyways, I mean, they, Alaska is not a strong red state. You know, there are states that are strong red states. There are states that are strong blue states. Alaska is very mixed that way. It's very purplish. We tend to vote red in the, the national elections, you know, for the most part, until Peltola came along, but um, in ranked choice voting, of course. But the reality is, Mike, it's not. And when you look at it, it's not a red legislature. You know, just because you got more Republicans doesn't mean much because a lot of those Republicans are coming from districts that are really purple or even bluish. And a lot of those Republicans in other states would not get elected as a Republican. You know, I mean, they would be a Democrat. I mean, just from a policy perspective is what I'm talking about, you know, how they right, vote right. and position policy positions. So Alaska is a weird animal that way. And so it is not what people think it is. And when you're conservative, you know, you tend to want X, Y, Z and you, you bang your head against the wall. And as I've said before, it's kind of interesting because I've had a long serving Democrat tell me that he's like, Mike, I don't know how you guys do it. He's like, you know, look at some of the comments on your program. Mike said, you got conservatives and they just eat their own. Every time you guys make the slightest misstep, say the wrong thing to the wrong crowd, they just destroy you. It's no wonder you can't have anybody that's a true conservative serving for very long because your own people destroy them. He's like, I don't know how you do it. He's like, oh, I'm Democrats. I can get away with anything. You know, our people just let us do whatever they forgive. You know, he's like, but not you guys. He's like, you guys eat your own. He's like, so, you know, of course you're going to, and, and that was his point. He's like, of course you guys are going to keep losing because Democrats march to the same tune. Generally speaking, they support each other. They're, they're there behind the cause. And as long as you got that D by your name, they're pretty much going to give you a pass, including the press. But you guys, if you got an R behind your name, especially if you're an R and a known conservative, <laughs> you know then good luck and boy i mean you've watched i mean i've i've been living that for six years so i'm lambasted as everything you know short of the devil himself you know by sometimes people on the right you know <laughs> look at the comments right now on your radio program oh i know i know you know where i stand you know in my you know conservatism <laughs> but it doesn't matter some people on the far right are going to you know call you're a rhino you're a whatever i'm like well you... so yeah mike how are you going to win yeah. When the left is already coming after you and people on the right that should be on your side are attacking you and not the Democrats. 
how are you going to win? Mike, where's the support even come from? So, you know, don't talk to me, not you, of course, but I mean, don't talk to me about, oh, we're losing. You know, well, of course we are, because the other side is already against us and, and a whole bunch of people on our side. If you don't do everything perfect in accordance with their desire, right, yeah. you can't make anything. Well, you're just as bad. So yeah, exactly. Conservatives will continue to lose because the way we play the game, we don't uh, we don't march well together. And that's our independent spirit, which I certainly wouldn't want to see change. But we don't we don't stay as a team united to fight the battle we split very quickly amongst ourselves and the the left the liberals the progressives I, they just yeah they no, stay I, I've, in tune I've said that for years that conservatives are very good at circling the wagons and shooting inward you know meanwhile the the uh due to their their philosophies the communal nature of the community and the kumbaya and everybody holds hands and I mean that's that's the nature of the Democrats they're very good at coming together we on the other hand are very good at killing each other. That's just how it is. Wonder why we lose? Yeah, if you look yeah, at it, man. Exactly. On, it's, it's simple. Exactly. We, we, we fracture and fight amongst ourselves, right? Yeah. Because, um, like we said in our little letter at the beginning of the session, or you know, back in November when they organized without us, we said, "No, we can live with some rules." We we'll yep. keep talking off on air, but you know, hey, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, uh, we got to go. We're jumping back into it. Final segment: the Michael Duke Show. Oh, man, fight's on. Round one, begin. Um, welcome back to the program. The Michael Luke Show continues. Uh, Mike Shower has been giving us our weekly beating here. Woo, <laughs> 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 baby. Uh, do you have any good news at all, I guess, is what I should say. Maybe we should finish this out at, at the end. Is there any good news at all uh, in the end Maybe, maybe a little. I, I can give you some. So... Um, I, Senator Kawasaki, a Democrat, ironically, in this case, and, and taking over state affairs for me, <laughs> not by choice, um, from the last four <laughs> years, uh, has uh, an election bill that, you know, he's filed, which is kind of Chris Tuck's old election bill, if you will. And of course, I had mine filed, broke up our former Senate Bill 39 into multiple, you know, smaller bills because the omnibus bill just got, you know, crushed by every special interest left wing group on the planet um and so we broke it up to be smaller chunks we just had a meeting yesterday and, and we're working on uh perhaps another bipartisan bill getting rid of all of the stuff on the the farther side of the spectrum to the right and the left that we already know from working on it the last couple of years is not going to pass muster right because if there's some things on, that we really want on the right, they're not going to support it. And you got a Senate coalition dominated by Democrats, so go figure, right? That's not going to work. Same time, we know on the House side, they're not going to support, you know, things on the far left. So we're looking at the bipartisan things in the middle, again, that we might be able to pass. Things like cleaning up the voter rolls, cybersecurity, ballot tracking, um, you know, for risk limiting and forensic audits, things that, we don't have codified in statute that we have all agreed need to happen that are not right or left issues. And we're going to hopefully work with a few House members and see if we can get an agreement on another um, bipartisan bill that both sides can agree to um, that are the steps forward that are necessary 
but aren't the ones that would be politically contentious to the other side. So we just did that um, yesterday. And so at least from an election perspective, um, <clears throat> you know, we're not going to test ranked choice voting. I know because the Senate you know, leadership's already said they're not interested in that. So I'm not going to spend time and effort on something I know isn't going to move. But this election bill, you know, from what Chris Tuck and I started a couple of years ago um, has, I think, the potential to make it through the body on some positives that we need no matter what. I mean, you know, so that's some good news um, because that actually has some potential and those are definitely required things to start the cleanup, at least in our election system to make it tighter. So that's, that's a positive. Um, so that's one thing. I mean, I'm trying to think of <laughs> it's, others. It's <laughs> one maybe, thing. Maybe a thin list, but it's that's a, something. It's so. the one thing. Uh, yeah. And of course, uh, that, that thing has been in process for what now, three years, something like that. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah. I mean, we started in the beginning of the first or the end of the first year of last session. So, you know, two-ish years right now, roughly, maybe. Um, but, you know, hey, it's, at least it's not dead, Mike. I mean, I had very little hope for anything election-wise and, you know, and uh, based on how the Senate shook out. But, you know, there's um, people that seem to want to genuinely want to move forward on a, you know, some election stuff. Um, right. And so, you know, this is like a go back to like JKT, Rep. Rep. Uh, Christ Tompkins. You know, he's a he's a left, uh, a well left of center progressive. I'm a, you know, well right of center conservative. And, you know, we and some others worked together on a fiscal plan that none of it really liked, but it was a, a plan that would balance the budget. And, you know, to his credit, you know, he was, uh, you know, honest advertising. He presented the plan to his body, just like we did to ours. And of course, none of the leadership neither one took it up back then. But the point is, is that Sometimes you see people on the left and the right side of the spectrum that are willing to solve the problem and step off of their political ideology. And it is refreshing at times to see that once in a while. We saw that with the fiscal policy working group. We're seeing that again with some election stuff. So, uh, you know, sometimes people will come together to do the right thing, Mike, not just ideological. And so that's that was encouraging to see at least there's some options, some potential to move you know, that I wish I'd see more of that in the fiscal policy group. But all we're really seeing, you know, at least out of the Senate side is just, you know, spend more and you know take more money. So um, but, you know, like I said, there's the 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 hope is the House will hold the line. So it's not like it's, you know, the House controlled by Democrats over the last four years. If that was the right. case, I, I'd be packing up my bags and saying <laughs> I don't even want to be a, I'm going to apply the Roger Holland philosophy of the. Of, uh, politics the dumpster <laughs> don't even fire. be don't even yeah. be associated with that mess so, well i um, mean and that's you know again that's part of the problem here is and it's on the house but it's also on the governor right i mean it it's, is it, it is it's but it's, at least you know from a good news perspective at least right you have an option in the house to block some of this stuff and not let it through and negotiate and you have a governor that has said on some of these key issues he's not going to allow those to move past him without other tenants. Like he's not going to allow taxes without the, the spending cap, you know, and, and, and solving the PFD. So we, the good news on that front is that we have some backstops, right? We're not like, look at, Oh man, these things are going to sail right through. They may sail through the Senate maybe, but there are backstops to not allowing this to happen. And that gives us a chance to maybe the citizens initiative will repeal ranked choice voting. Maybe we can have, um, some new candidates come in that will help rebalance the numbers a little bit. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Right. I mean, that's where we go back to, you know, hope springs eternal. I start thinking, well, you know, like I said, you want some good news? Well, there's some. And, you know, what where do I look forward? Well, if the if you're losing the battle right now, which in the Senate we, we are, 
then you reassess the battle plan. You don't keep doing the same thing. You go, where do you pivot? Well, I'm already looking for the 2024 election. I'm already thinking about the next organization. How are we going to do that? You know, what candidates are going to step up? Because otherwise, I'm just spinning my wheels, sitting there in Juno, hitting the present button three times a week. And there isn't much I can do other than work with house members and provide them information, you know, which we're doing the best we can. So um, you don't want to just sit there and, and, you know, mope in your broom closet. You want to go out and you want to re-engage, reassess where, where can we win? Where can we make a difference? Um, start thinking about strategy for the rest of the year, for the next year, for the next session. I mean, that's, that's what's an option to us, Mike. You can, like I said, you can pack up with your toys and go home to your sandbox, right? Or you can keep engaging in whatever ways you can. I'm not, I'm, I'm not giving up. I'm just being very honest about what I see and people need to know that, right? I'm not going to blow smoke. I, th- I don't think that's fair to the pe- people. I think they're smarter than that. I, I think if I try to say, oh, it's all great. It's going to work out fine. Yeah, right, Mike, come on. No, I'm not going to do that. But I'm not going to tell you that to give up because I go back to it's our kids and our grandkids. That's why I'm here fighting this, Mike. If I had no kids, I'd be off in Tahiti right now. Enjoying an umbrella drink. I would right. not be sitting here fighting this battle. This is not best for my family and I. Stress, losing income. There's no great thing. You know, people on the right yelling at you and calling you. No, I don't need this. But it's worth fighting for because of our kids and grandkids. That's why Michelle and I are putting up with this. Um, because it's not a positive for your family. So, but it's worth, it, it is at the end, Mike. And that's the, the thing I'll end with. It's worth I mean, come on, guys. Is it not? Is it not worth fighting for, for the future, for our kids and our grandkids, what we're going to give them? I don't want them to look back at me when I pass away and go, well, he just sat in his duff and did nothing. You know, I'm like, no, I want to fight and try to make a difference as best I can, because I want them to to look back and go, our parents didn't give up on us. They tried to make it better. And ultimately, I think that's really why Michelle and I are serving, frankly. Well, you got, I mean, we got to stay the course. So we got to keep, you know, it's again, I, I've said it a million times don't grow weary in well doing. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, we, we, we can't stop fighting it. Uh, we got to take the victories where we can. And, and even if it's an inch at a time, at least we're moving forward. Um, so we can't lose hope. But uh, boy, I tell you, it is frustrating, especially like you said, when we're, uh, you know, basically massacring ourselves inside our own uh, inside our own philosophy and then letting everybody else just kind of run amok uh, on the other side. Less than a minute here, Mike. Final thought. Less than a minute. Well, here's what we're going to do, because I know people get depressed sometimes with this. And I'm not I'm not trying to. Right? I, I, it's just so easy to spiral down that when you keep banging your head against the wall and you want to win, you know, want to make a difference. And you feel like you can't. But next week, next week, I've been thinking about this and writing them down. I have some really cool ejection stories from jets and things that have happened over my career watching things. And <laughs> and I think next year, next year, next week, people would be fascinated to listen to some of these. So I have been writing them down to remember them and go look them up so I had all the details right. But I have some fascinating ejection stories um, that people survived that shouldn't have survived. You know, it was not their, it was their, not their day to go, right? Good yeah. Lord, when taking them home all that right. day. Gotta go. So we're going to do that next week. Mike Shower. Uh, We're out of time. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Next week, we'll call the show Eject, Eject, Eject. That's... <laughs> I was trying to think of something, man. I'm like, come on, we got to have some fun with this because you know, like we did the Christmas one where we talked about bacon. And, yeah. You know, every once in a while, we got to do something off off kilter a bit because this does get just taxing. I think on us, we just talk about politics and all the stuff going on. So I was like, what can we do? 
And I know people, when I tell stories of flying the Raptor or the Eagle, other stuff, they really like that stuff and it's kind of cool. So one thing we haven't talked about is, is, is ejection stories where guys have ejected out of aircraft in circumstances to go, holy cow, that dude shouldn't be alive. And I thought that might, that might pique some people's interest. So I think next week, let's spend most of the time, we'll talk about some flying stories, but some of those really interesting because I can spend almost the entire hour talking about some of these, and you're just going to be like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. I no, can't believe that dude walked away. That'll be so fun. I mean, cool. I'm I'm all about that. I mean, we're, you know, I'm trying to break into more Alaskana stuff and some other things, too, to get away from politics and, the, yeah. you, you know, the Pete Petersons of the world. So it'll be. It's, it's cathartic sometimes. It's, it is. It'll be fun stuff. So, <laughs> all right. Well, Mike, thanks for coming on board this morning. I appreciate it, my friend. Good to talk with you. All right, my friend. Take care. We'll see you next week. All right. I'll talk to you next week. Folks, that uh, does it for today. Um, yeah, I finally blocked him. Uh, if you can't, I mean, I don't mind people disagreeing with me. I don't even mind people. I mean, I, I can take a lot, but when all you do is name call, there's a there's a boot with your name on it. That's the second only second person in six years that I have ejected from the show. So, uh, you know, if you can articulate a reasonable argument against something. Uh, and do it rationally and without name calling and ad hominem attacks, well, then guess what? We can have that conversation. But if all you do is, uh, you know, fifth grade name calling, then uh, you get the boot. You got the warning, you get the boot. That's how it works. Um, All right. Well, folks, I appreciate you coming in. We will see you again uh, tomorrow on the Michael Duke Show. I uh, don't know who we're going to have a guest, but we'll have somebody in there. It'll be it'll be fun. We will see you then. Have a have a great day. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. That's what we do right here on the show. Thanks for coming in. We'll see you then.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. 